The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in, in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought those who were ill into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing those who were ill and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the, with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and saviour, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. And then further down in verse 40, this is, this, is, this is Peter speaking still. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. This is God's word for us this evening. Uh, why don't you welcome uh, Matt as he comes up to share from God's word. I feel like that was almost a sermon in itself. That was a lot of verses. Uh, 
but uh, I am going to just try and uh, see if we can see what's happening here, explain these a little bit to you. So uh, to catch up to speed, if you're just joining us tonight, uh, you haven't joined us before or not in a while, we're in this new series. We went through the whole of the book of Luke, took about 20 weeks, and now for the back end of the year, we're going to go through the whole of the book of Acts. And uh, we're here in chapter 5 and 6. And actually, Nick, there's a slide in the... uh, in the deck there, which if you want the weekly reading plan, there's a QR code. So we're just reading through Acts each week and uh, you can scan that and hopefully a little image will, will come up on your, uh, on your device there. But it's good to do things together. Like what Dan's saying there, uh, we, we want to be moving together as a community. And so if you uh, want to join with us as we do this, we're just reading one chapter a week. It's quite simple, but sometimes you get a bit confused. You're like, did I read chapter five or six last week? So next week, this week coming, we're reading chapter seven. Uh, but please, yeah, join in with us. So Luke is this guy. He's a doctor. He's writing. He's written one book to this other guy named Theophilus. And now he's reading, writing his second book. And the, the theme's the same. They're not actually two separate Uh, books. We sort of split them and we put uh, John in the middle, but he would have sent them together, right? Two volumes of the same thing. Uh, The the theme hasn't changed. The objective of Luke has not changed. And so what we're really going as we're reading through Acts now is we're still trying to understand who is Jesus. That's the key of everything that we're trying to understand. That's the lens that we're trying to look through uh, this book of Acts as we go through it. So Uh, Jesus has ascended, he sent the disciples out, the disciples start to teach some of the Jews, they teach in the the temple and uh, some miraculous things are happening, Peter's been preaching and the religious leaders catch wind of this and they're not happy and uh, so what they do is they send them to jail, they say Peter and John off you go to jail, that's the first part that we read, Uh, they get busted out of jail by an angel, they just walk straight out, no one even knows, it's incredible And and, and the angel's like keep teaching. So they, they start preaching again, and the, the, the guys from the Sanhedrin, they're like, go get Peter and John from the jail, we're going to talk to them, we're going to give them a stern talking to, and they're like, we didn't find them in the jail, somehow they're in the temple, we're not sure how, and so they, they get them from the temple, and they bring them in, and they're like, we told you not to, and that's what we uh, were reading through, and then Peter says, we must obey God, not men, i.e. you, and uh, they, they literally are about to kill them, and then this wise guy, this is the part that we didn't read, this wise guy says, look, um, if this is from God, you probably don't want to stand against it. So just be careful what you do. So what they do is they just flog Peter and John and send them away rather than killing them. So it's pro- probably a good outcome in the end for Peter and John uh, in that sort of sense. The thing uh, that, that I wanted to highlight tonight, the thing that stands out to me in these chapters, and uh, it's a pr- pretty simple message tonight. The thing that I want to draw your attention to is the difference between these two groups here, the two, uh, the hearts, the difference in hearts between these two groups of people. The first group are the priests, uh, the Sadducees, the, the religious elite, the people who are in charge in Jerusalem. It says that this group was filled with jealousy. They were dismayed at the following which this new teaching was, was bringing. They were jealous about uh, what this new teaching about Jesus was, was bringing about. They were wanting to protect their interests, their turf, uh, preserve their self. They believed that the position of influence and control that they were in, the role that they were in, the authority that they had, that it was theirs and it was theirs to keep and it was theirs to benefit from, and they were filled with hatred uh, 
towards what we, we read here as good men. In fact, all the people in Jerusalem said, uh, we, we hold these men in high regard. They were filled with hatred uh, towards good men. They delighted in seeing the harm and the abuse of these good men. This is a, a dark heart. This is the first group of people, the priests. And as we read of them, um, I don't want us to fall into temptation, to fall into the very temptation into which they fell. Are we not familiar ourselves with those types of thoughts, those types of feelings? Are we not familiar with such falsehood in our own lives? The seed of such evil, whether or not as fully grown as it is in these men, are we not familiar with it ourselves? Have we not also experienced that horrible feeling of despising others in their joy as they're flourishing and, and sort of something rises up in us and says, oh. are we not familiar with... Um, being unable to enter into the joy of others? Are we not familiar with that experience of, in fact, wanting that happiness to, to become ours, the, the happiness that they have or the, the thing that they have to become ours? Are we not familiar with the secret satisfaction that rises in our hearts strangely when someone doesn't quite get their way? hoping or thinking or maybe praying that, that we will get our way and what we want. Are we not familiar with that feeling of writing someone off, of, of standing against them? Maybe because they're something simple, they're just different to us or maybe, maybe because of something big that they've done, actually you know, being opposed to them. Are we not familiar with that feeling? Are we not familiar with that sense of wanting to be above others, not below of wanting to see ourselves as better than others, wanting to justify ourselves over and above others. This is the first group that we see, uh, the first heart that is on display in this narrative. And I want you to then see that and then juxtapose that against the second heart. There's another group. There's people who had uh, declared to be followers of Jesus. They were a group seemingly so committed to the good of others that they would even risk their own safety. It was a group um, who, who were so different that they would come away from a painful episode like being beaten, rejoicing. These were men not controlled by fear and worry and anxieties, men who were completely stupendously free in their lives. People with, this was a group with a belief in the absolute value of every individual. People with an authority. People with a, a desire to do good to every single person that they interacted with, whoever they were. These were a people who were filled with love for the very people who were actually hating them and cursing them and standing against them. These are... I honestly read this narrative and it's, these are two very, very different groups, very, very different hearts coming out in these individuals. And I want us to see or ask, what is it that makes the difference here? How could it be that two groups of people, that two 
sets of individuals would be so completely different in the same city, seeing the same things, grown up in the same way, with the same culture, with the same food. How could they be so entirely different? The only difference is that one group believed in Jesus and one group didn't. One group believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the Lord of every man, every person, every individual, and one group did not believe that. And when I say this, I'm not talking about a belief just that Jesus existed, that Jesus was real. I mean, this group of people, the high priests, had actually spoken to Jesus. They'd seen everything that he'd done. They'd put him to death. It's not that they didn't believe that Jesus was real. I'm talking about a belief that he is, he is the, the great I am. A belief that he is the Messiah. He is the one who was sent from God to humanity to, to reconcile us to God. The belief that he was not just Peter's saviour. Peter didn't be, just believe that he was you know, my saviour. He believed that he was John's saviour and, and the next man's saviour and the Sadducee's saviour and the high priest's saviour. This is what Acts 5.30-31 uh, says, some of the verses that we read. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and saviour, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. This word prince here, it literally means originator, founder, pioneer, leader. Peter and John and the apostles had the belief that Jesus was the head from which every single man and woman came. That we were all created in him. And the belief that, that though he was sinless, though, um, though there was no reason for him to do this other than his own love, the belief that he actually came and he took on the conditions of our flesh, your suffering, my suffering, the sorrows that, that come about in our lives because of our own sin. The mortality that we face because sin is in the world. Jesus came and he, he entered into those. He became a man and he experienced them. He knew the griefs that we face. He encountered them. He lived them. And he did this to identify himself with us. To show us that, that we are actually His. That that's, that's your origin. That's your nature. To show you and to show me and to show the world that your sinful condition, the fact that, uh, the fact that you do wrong, the fact that there is, there is maybe hatred or jealousy in your heart, that is not the true you. That's not your normal condition. That your sin is resistance to who you truly are. That you truly are a child of God, created to be sons and daughters who, who love Him and who cherish Him. He came to show us that each of us have been created in His image. That we bear His nature and that is our actual nature, our true nature. And in doing so, Christ reconciles us to God. This is what we all are searching for. This is what we are hungering for. Are we not hungering for the knowledge that someone has come from God to us? 
Are we not hungering for that? Are we not hungering to know that, that there's a God that loves us, that wants to free us from our sorrow and from our despair, free us from our sin, our falsehood, the, the wrongness in us to free us from the seemingly heavy weight of our existence? Is this not what our hearts are crying out for? They believed that there was one who had come. And they believed that this was Jesus. He was the Son of God, full of grace and mercy, sent to humanity. Not, not to you, not to me, to humanity, to us. To claim us as his people. And so as they believed this, the apostles uh, became living testimonies to the truth of it. To the truth that they are, that we are, not they are, we are created as sons and daughters of the living God. That our sinful ways, they're a delusion, they're a lie, they're a falsehood. That we are children of God. Peter and, and John and the other disciples begin to look like Christ. They are showing forth Christ. Jesus' spirit has been given to them as they believed this good news. They have a power that the world doesn't know of. They have a power to love in the face of hatred. They have a power to love by, by casting out sickness, by healing disease. In fact, they are aligned with this power that is so great that if he needs, he'll, he'll take them out of prison. He'll just open the doors. It's incredible. Nothing is impossible for those who believe that Jesus is the Messiah of the world, that he is the saviour of the world. Nothing is impossible for those who are desiring to show and to live in the love of Christ, to meet need under the banner of Jesus. If you go out and you want to meet need in the name of Jesus, you will not lack. Any need that, that is there that is required for you to love in the name of Jesus, it will come. God will provide it. And uh, as, I was, as I was just praying into what I believe uh, God wants to say to us tonight, the particular thing that I, I think he, he highlighted to my heart, that he wants us to see tonight in these apostles' heart, therefore in Christ's heart. This is what we're doing. We're looking at Christ. We see Peter and John, but we're actually seeing Christ. We sung this song. Not I, Christ in me. Peter and John are saying, this is not us. You want to see us? Look at our sinful past. This is Christ in us. And the particular thing that I think um, God wants to challenge us as a people on here tonight is to see their lack of judgment towards others. The apostles' lack of judgment. Jesus says, um, judge not lest ye be judged. Here, here are men, uh, the apostles, Peter and John. Here are, um, they're coming to this group, and this group is the group that put their master, their beloved friend on the cross. Now, we can't even position ourselves in that place, but, but um, maybe take yourself to someone you know of in your life that you love, and then maybe think of a time when someone else has hurt them. This is the place that the disciples are in. They dearly loved Jesus, their friend. 
And these were the men, the Sadducees, the high priest, who had killed him, literally killed him. And yet, they want them to believe in Jesus. There's no reservation here. There's no saying, you, you guys, go away. There's no sense of that. In fact, they're heading towards them. They're proclaiming that you can believe in Jesus and be saved too. They're actually saying to these Sadducees and to these priests, He's your Savior. Be saved by Him. Have a new heart. You're a child of God. This is what, this is what the, the Peter and John are actually saying to these priests. It's crazy. Up in, like I think, verse 10, it says, Some of the priests began to put their faith in Jesus. It was incredible. Where does such a patience and a love come from? Where does such a goodness come from? I want to tell you, Peter and John would not be saying it's coming from them. It's coming from Christ in them. No judgment. They do not write off the Sadducees. They do not walk away from them. They do not stand opposed to the very men who are beating them. Like, like they take them outside and they say, now flog them. And yet they have a heart of love to them. So much so that they leave that flogging rejoicing, joyful. Matthew 5.39, these were Jesus' words. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. That, that word resist, we get a bit confused, I think, when we read resist. What it means is do not stand opposed to them. Do not be against them as a person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And so Peter and John, they say to the, to the, to the high priest, uh, we, we can't obey you. We must speak of this man. If Christ is your Messiah and you stand against him, we, we can't not keep preaching. We must. In fact, for Peter and John to heed the calls for them to stop preaching would not be to love these individuals in that moment. It would be the opposite of that. It would to be to stand against them. It would be to judge them and say, no, you're, you're not worthy of this message of salvation. As the disciples continue to proclaim who Christ is, they are standing against the lie and, and the falsehood in the Sadducees. They're actually treasuring their true nature as a child of God, the high priest, their children of God, just as much as Peter and John are. No discrepancy, no I'm above you, you're below me in the kingdom of God. And so who, uh, who is the person who's done, done wrong to us at the moment? Who's uh, the group of people maybe that, that, that we look upon and we say, oh, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, they're not worth my time or... I'm not really, I'm not for them. I'd rather not go towards them. In fact, I'd rather move away from them. Let us put forward belief in Christ. Christ has come into the world to show us that uh, we are not our sin. And that person who is doing wrong to you, I want to let you know that they are not their sin either. There's a child of God and, and, 
and the heart of Jesus, who Jesus is, is that he loves us across all the, the evil fog of our sin, which veils and which covers up the true person which lies underneath. And, and he loves us in spite of all of that. He, he does not count our sins against us. He loves the child of God to bring it forth, to bring it out in each person. Peter and John believe that the Sadducees are valuable, that Christ has died for them. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 16. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Who's outside of all? No one. Christ has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, like Peter and John, they're not living for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. That sense of judgment that arises in our hearts when when people come against us, maybe when they don't come against us, maybe just when they do particular things, that sense of judgment, that that is not you. That's not the true nature. That's not the Christ nature which is in you. Simon Edwards is a uh, 40-year-old soccer referee who lives in Hertfordshire, London. You've never heard of him. I'd never heard of him uh, until recently. Simon was adopted as a baby. And uh, last year, at some some point, he went on a search to find his biological parents and he managed to track down not his parents, but his extended family in Galway in Ireland. And he began a dialogue with his extended family in Ireland. And uh, this family uh, spoke first of all and said, uh, began to explain that his biological mother had passed away when she was quite young. Um, Simon's 40, she'd passed away 35 years ago. But then they, uh, they also had some information on who his biological father was. As it turns out, his father was uh, a guy by the name of Bob Sheridan, who's this legendary, apparently, I don't know of him either, legendary American uh, boxing commentator, worth over $150 million, uh, Bob Sheridan's worth. So this is Simon's biological dad. And as a result of that, Simon connected with his dad, and is now the primary beneficiary of this gigantic financial inheritance that Bob Sheridan has. Two years ago, uh, Simon Edwards, this referee in, in London, had no idea that he had this gigantic inheritance for him in the US waiting for him. He had no idea. And now he has come to the knowledge of what was always true. That was always true. It's just that Simon didn't know it. He didn't realize it. The reality is, is that these Sadducees, these priests who have killed Christ, who are wanting to kill Peter and John, are children of God, created by him to live as sons and daughters. At this present moment that Peter and John encounter them, they are lost, they're they're deceived, they're resisting what their true identity is, but that is who they are. Christ has shown it. Christ has died for them as he has died for the apostles. And so the question is in this moment, as Peter and John are preaching who Christ is, how might they come to know 
that they have this inheritance of, of being called children of God, how might they come to know this? How might they discover who their heavenly father truly is? It's a fact. They might not know it, but it's a fact that they, that they have a heavenly father who loves them, who is for them. How might they be delivered from the deception that they are in? Well, Acts 5.32 says this, We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. You see, if you don't know uh, your Heavenly Father here tonight, I could tell you all night long till I'm black and blue. You could listen to it all night long. You could intellectualize it. You could say, yeah, no, I, I, you know, yeah, I, I would believe that. That seems somewhat believable. What I want to tell you, you won't know it until you begin to conform your life to Jesus, until you begin to obey Him, to, to actually align your life with what is truth. Not just align your intellect, align your life to begin to believe that Christ is your Lord, that He's your leader, that He's the shape in which you were truly created, the nature that he has is what you truly are. And, and as you resolve to live, that as if this is true, you will find it, you will come to know that it is true. Paul says in Romans 6.11, In the same way then, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. Consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I, I have, I, I very comfortably stand here to say on the basis of what Christ has revealed when he came, that every one of you has a heavenly father. But the question is, do you know it? Do we know it? Are we knowing him in increasing measure? The only way that will happen is if we believe it to be so. <laughs> is if we actually begin to live that it is so. And, and, and the way that we do that is by seeing who, how Jesus, the, the Son of God, lived. He, he came to reveal it. He says, trust your Heavenly Father. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. He will give you what you need. How do we know that? When we actually begin to live as if it's true. When we don't get worried and we don't get anxious about things. Jesus said, that, Jesus said that you don't need to hate. How do, we, how do we know that that's true? How do we know that there's a love that can be put in our hearts which exceeds anything that we've ever experienced when we begin to believe that it is so, that He is our Heavenly Father, that He does want to pour His love into our hearts for others? 5.32, Acts 5.32 says, the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey Jesus. As we begin to align ourselves with Him, the Holy Spirit will come into your heart and it will say, it will cry out, Abba, Father. There, there will be 
a knowing beyond a knowing that you are a child of God. That, that He is um, eternally yours. That you cannot be lost to Him. He cannot be lost to you. If you say here this evening, I don't feel like a child. Or maybe I once did, but, but at the moment, I don't feel like a child. Maybe you feel here this evening that God is not good, that He's not like a father, that He's, he's not a good father. Maybe you say here this evening, my intellect does not tell me that this is true. I don't see Him, I don't, I don't feel Him, He's never manifested before my eyes in physical form. How can I know that I have a heavenly Father? The word of Jesus to us tonight is to leave your feelings and believe in Christ. Is to leave the pride of your intellect and believe in Christ. Is, is to leave anything, anything that says this is, this is not true, this cannot be a reality, leave it, deny it and say, I am going to believe in Christ. What have we got to lose? What have we got to lose? How incredible would it be if we actually found ourselves to be children of God? I just want to say here tonight, someone needs to hear this. Your feelings do not define what is the truth of the universe. Our society will tell us that all day long, that how you feel is the truth. I just, I know that that might be a hard word, but your feelings don't change things. Truth remains. Truth doesn't alter. It, it doesn't fall. It's, it's unshakable. I want to tell you, your intellect does not define what is true. I'm so thankful about that. You know why? Because my intellect changes. What, one moment I think this is a fact, and the next moment I think this is a fact. That's what scientific discovery is. If, if our intellect defined what was true, well, what's true 2,000 years ago is very not what's true right now. Truth remains. We are not the keeper of truth. And Christ's invitation is to leave whatever we think, whatever our feelings would tell us or our intellect would tell us and say, I am going to see if, if this is true. If Jesus has come to reconcile me to the living God by showing me that I am a son, I am a daughter, I am a child of the living God. Leave your sin. You see, when, when we're in sin, we're not in alignment with who Jesus is and we won't know that we have a heavenly father. That's the problem with sin, is that we lose, we, we don't know him anymore. We don't believe him to be good. This is what John 8, 31 and 32 says. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said this, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. The only thing that will ever bring freedom to my life and to your life is the knowledge of the living God being our Heavenly Father. That's it. Not just knowledge that there is a God. We have to know that He is our Father. That He is good. That we're not slaves of Him. That, that He calls us our family. And the only way that we will know that is if we remain in Christ I, I said this on Sunday night at our service. I said, you know what? Yesterday's provision is not enough for today. If you believed in Jesus Christ and, and align yourself with Him yesterday and you don't align yourself with Him today, you know what's going to happen? 
the, the, the knowledge of God will start to seep out of your life and you'll get to a place where you say, I used to really love God. I used to know how good he was, but I don't know, right now it sort of seems so dry and so empty. Nothing's changed. Align yourself with Christ. Find the truth again. Jack's going to come up and share his testimony now. Jack's being baptized tonight. Welcome him up. Welcome him up. <laughs> this is awesome, man. Uh, Jack's pretty nervous, so he knows that we're all for him and uh, behind him. And I was saying to Jack before tonight, the reality is this is not about Jack. If, if Gee, the Bible was written about Peter and John, and they're going to tell you if you ever, when we meet them in the next stage, they're going to say, it wasn't about us. Just FYI. That's why we're doing Jesus as seen in Acts. It's about him. We worship Jesus. And so Jack sharing his testimony tonight, this is actually about Jesus. <laughs> yeah, amen. That's awesome. Uh, it's not about anything he's done. It's not about who he is or how good he is. All he's pretty much going to say tonight in his testimony is that I found the truth. I didn't know it two months ago or three months ago. Yeah. And now I know it, that Jesus is the Savior. This is incredible. And I want to tell you, if it's for every one of you. So let's welcome Jack again as he shares. Uh, beginning, baptize is showing a commitment to the Christian faith. It is both a public as well as personal and declaration to show you the creation to your faith. Baptism significance a lifelong convent between God and the person. As uh, Christian where we share a person relationship with God baptism is commitment to land relationship. I grew up and lived in Taiwan until 2019. Then I came to Australia to study. A few months ago, I was wanting to improve my English. So I started reading Bible with Read for on Monday night. I read a story that is called Jesus Feed 5,000 People. And it made me interested in about why he would make people's life better. So I keep reading Bible and began to understand more about Jesus and why he did what he did before reading. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know, believe. I don't believe any God. But I through reading, I start to believe in Jesus. I am learning from him more life. Jesus is like my teammate. <laughs> He has made me confident and relaxed. 
I am one to be baptized tonight because I learned God He real and want to receive Holy Spirit and learn to be like Jesus. Jack Missapati says. I missed some parts. He says, "I'm learning from his teaching, thankfulness and gratefulness, and I changed my heart to be less selfish, which gave me more life." How good's that? We're going to baptize uh, Jack, yeah, over at Pete and Alex's place, but. Um, I just want to share a story as well that Jack shared with me on Sunday night, and I was like, oh, man, like, Jack gets it. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just like, uh, um, we, we hand out these breads on Sunday night, you know how we hand out the bread, and uh, Jack went over and got one, and Alec was like, oh, Jack, you stole the bread or whatever, and Jack was like, and, uh, you know, it was just a joke, and Jack and Alec knew it was a joke, but, um, but Jack's like, oh, no, well, actually, you know, I, I prayed beforehand, and I gave thanks to God for this bread, and I'm going to share it with others. And he rocks up on Monday night to Red Frogs, and he's cooked this huge spaghetti. He's like, I don't have any money to share with others, but I can cook and share with others. And I was like, oh, man, like, this guy's aligning himself with Jesus. And, uh, and, and he's receiving the Holy Spirit. Like, he says that. He will tell you that. Talk to him. He says, my heart used to be about me, and now it's getting less and less selfish. It's getting more unselfish. It's bec- he's becoming like Christ. He's actually in the way. He's in the way. Like Peter and John were in the way of Jesus. And I want to say, if you've been baptized before, most of you guys here tonight have been baptized. I've been baptized. And you say, oh, well, I've been baptized, but then I've sort of, I've stuffed it up since then. I've gone astray. I want to tell you, um, that that doesn't change the truth. Baptism is not making anything happen. Baptism is an acknowledgement of what has always been true. That you are a son of God. That you are a daughter of God. That he's chosen us in Christ Jesus. And this is incredible. And I want to tell you, everyone walking past tonight, you know, there's a thousand people in Queen Street. Guess what? He's their savior too. He's their savior too. And he wants them to, to come to know him, that he's their heavenly father. And I want to say to us, the fact that they're in sin at the moment, that they're, that they're doing things that, that, that the world would say, oh, it's so wrong, it's so horrible. I want to tell you, it doesn't stop them from entering in. It doesn't stop them. The Sadducees, the priests, they could still enter in. It wasn't too late. Believe in Jesus. Align yourself with him. And you will receive the Holy Spirit. And you will cry out, Father in heaven, I glorify your name. You are good. I am not, but thank you for showing and bringing yourself to me in the person of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. So why don't we pray and align ourselves again with him. God, we just say, we say thank you. Right now, at this very moment, we are in your presence. You say to each person here tonight, you say to each person in the whole world, but people hearing this tonight, you say, 
The kingdom of God is near. In fact, it is within you. In spite of what your past has been, in spite of the things that you have done, it has not changed what is true. You cannot change what is true. That you are a child of God, loved dearly, treasured eternally. We are not our sin and we say thank you, Heavenly Father, for this incredible fact that we have been created in the image of the Son, that Jesus is our originator, He's our leader, He's our pioneer. And as we lost our way, we lost the knowledge of God, we didn't know who you were, God, we, we started to to scramble about and say, well, maybe God's like this, maybe he's like this. And then Jesus, you came in and you showed us who God truly is, a loving heavenly father. You showed us that sin is not the way to life, it's the way to death, that you are the way to life. And that it's not too late for any person to enter in. And so I just pray right now, you're inviting each of us deeper into yourself. You're inviting each of us to believe in this moment in Jesus. And so I pray, God, that we would remain in you. We would not look to the right or to the left, but we would walk upon the narrow path, the path that leads to life, obedience to Jesus belief that He is the Son of God, but He has called us to be sons and daughters of God as well. And God, not, not in this moment, but in the next moment and the next moment and the next moment and next year and 10 years time and, and 50 years time, we would remain in You. And I know that as we do that, Lord, our belief will grow. It will strengthen. We will, we will be more aware, more sure, more confident of what is the truth and it will set us free. If you remain in me, then you are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so I pray that for people here tonight and, and as we spoke about the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they say, actually, I see that in my heart towards others. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that your, their sin has been overcome. My sin has been overcome in Jesus. That we can put our faith in Him, receive the Holy Spirit, brand new heart, brand new life. Thank you for Jack that he's received that. <laughs> Beautiful. What an encouragement to us here tonight. So God, be magnified, be glorified. Amen. Man, this is good news. This, this is the gospel. This is incredible. So let's stand and let's sing about it. Uh, we're going to sing that song that we sung at the start. Uh, Yet not I, Christ in me. The hope of glory, Christ in me. I know that uh, you might not know it too well, but let's sing it as best as we can. Give praise to our Heavenly Father tonight.
Sure. 